Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the final episode of this series of the Airwave podcast, a student-led anesthesia podcast for medical students. My name is Peru, and joining me today is Grace. If you've listened to our episode so far, congrats. We've made it to the last episode of the general anesthesia series. Definitely feels like we just started this series. I have to agree that time definitely does fly by. But before we get started, just a reminder that this podcast reflects our own views and not necessarily those of our institution, and that this podcast is intended for, is not intended for medical advice, just good old-fashioned medical education. And we're also really excited to report that me and Peru are, have been back in some clinical rotations in the hospital, which we've been super grateful, and um, it's been super exciting. Yeah, definitely happy to be back in the clinical setting, especially since COVID has affected uh, medical education and uh, exposure for a lot of med students across the country. Um, The winter is going to be an interesting period for sure, but definitely grateful to be back in the clinical setting. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about a couple of things. One, where patients go after surgery. Two, the importance of handover. And three, how to do handover from an anesthesia team to a PACU nurse. Now, to recap, in our last episode, we discussed the big topic of emergence. Emergence is a tricky topic to grasp initially as a medical student, and honestly, I'm still kind of learning about it myself, and there are lots of moving parts sort of happening all at once. Nevertheless, we have woken up the patient in the operating room, and we've made it to the handover part. So let's start off with where exactly does the patient go after surgery? Patients will be either brought to the post-anesthesia care unit, or PACU, or to a unit with more advanced monitoring equipment, such as the step-down unit, or even the intensive care unit. Fortunately, most patients will typically go to the PACU after surgery, which is a specialized place under the direction of anesthesia that composes of nursing staff trained to manage patients after surgery. Now, usually patients only stay in the PACU for a fairly short period of time, pretty much until the short-term effects of anesthesia and surgery have worn off, and to the point where they can be safely discharged to go home or to an appropriate ward. In a minority of cases, patients will require some more complex post-operative support, and because of that, they can be transferred to a step-down unit or to an ICU from there as well. The decision to go to either of these these locations can be surgical factors, such as more complex surgeries like somebody undergoing a cabbage, or anesthetic factors like an inability to safely extubate a patient. Um, There's some other factors that can go into this as well, such as, you know, severe, uncontrolled cardiac or respiratory diseases or unplanned intraoperative events like severe hemorrhages. And I think it's important to emphasize that even physically transporting the patient from the OR to the PACU or the ICU is a critical time. Even though this transport only takes a few minutes, patients are vulnerable due to their recent emergence and have fewer monitors and a more precarious setup, which can definitely be a recipe for disaster. An important element that I've seen in this precarious setup is the abundance of lines that are um, happen when transferring patients. Patients can have IVs, they can um, have tubing, central line, art lines, you name it, they can have it. So it can definitely be easy to get caught and tangled. Another important um, thing to point out is that everyone is pretty focused on moving the patient, and it's critical that the anesthesiologist continues to be vigilant and monitor the patient during this transition. So you should continue to use your ABC acronym, ABCD. So remember, you're looking for airway, breathing, circulation. And here in anesthesia, the D would also be important to have your drugs with you as well, since you don't just want to leave these in the operating room if anything should happen on your transport there. 
So like our rescue drugs, like we talked about earlier. And you definitely want to make sure you have all this equipment with you or any monitors that you may need to monitor these parameters. And definitely super important when you're even taking sicker patients to the ICU. Okay, so let's dive into handover. To keep things simple, we will review the components of handover from the anesthesia team to the PACU nursing team. Keep in mind that handover to the ICU will typically be a little more detailed. So let's start with the basics. What is handover? Handover of care is the transfer of responsibility and accountability for some or all aspects of care for a patient. So here, we're not only transferring information, but professional responsibility. And inadequate communication in the PACU has been shown to affect patient mortality and morbidity. There's even some current evidence in the CAS 2020 guidelines that recommend having structured, standardized processes of handover to minimize the risk of errors. Back in the pre-COVID era where, you know, patients used to go to the OR and one of the most things that surprised me in how this all worked out was how seamlessly my patient, my staff rather presented uh, patient cases to the PACU nurses. They were able to recount almost every single detail of the patient's history and all of the events that took place during the surgery. And that included drugs, fluids, lines, the list goes on. So if you haven't listened to any of the prior episodes in this series, just know that there are a lot of drugs that can be sort of delivered in a PACU handover. And this is not an easy feat at all. It definitely comes with some experience. So we thought it would be helpful in this episode to break down parts of handover using an example case. And I know you all love a good acronym. I think everything in medicine can be boiled down to an acronym. So it's probably not the most surprising thing that there's an acronym for handover. And today we're going to be using the acronym ISBAR. And to make this episode a little bit more interesting, we thought we'd go over a, a sample PACU case and speech, and then we can slowly walk through each part of the speech using an acronym. Grace is at the head of a patient's bed, bringing them towards the PACU with the anesthesia staff, Dr. Airwave, and an OBGYN resident, Dr. Fallopian Tube. Recall that your patient has just undergone a laparoscopic tubal ligation. You have the anesthesia chart in your pocket, and yes, some places still use paper charts, and your staff looks at you and says, Hey Grace, I think you should practice doing the handover since you've diligently prepared and have seen me do many of them before. You arrive at the PACU, you wheel your patient to their designated area, and you see Maya, who is the PACU nurse awaiting your patient. She hooks the patient up to a standard PACU monitor, including non-invasive blood pressure cuffs, O2 sat probes, and other telemetry, and waits for you to chat with her. Hello, Maya. My name's Grace, and I'm a medical student part of the anesthesia team. I'm here today with Dr. Airwave, who's the anesthesia staff, and Dr. Fallopian Tube, the OBGYN resident. Are you ready to hear about this patient? Okay. Here today we have Amelia Steele, who is a 38-year-old female that underwent an elective laparoscopic tubal ligation performed by Dr. Uterus under general anesthesia. Amelia has no significant past medical or surgical history and no known drug allergies. From an anesthesia perspective, she was pre-medicated with 2 milligrams of midazolam for anxiety and induced with 150 milligrams of propofol. She was easy to intubate with an ETT, and there were no airway concerns interoperatively or postoperatively so far. During the case, she has received a total of 4 milligrams of ondansetron, as well as 75 milligrams of fentanyl and 0.6 milligrams of hydromorphone, which was given about 30 minutes ago. 
There are additional orders for hydromorphone if needed. In the OR, she received one liter of normal saline and has one 20-gauge IV in her left arm. Estimated blood loss is minimal, approximately 150 milliliters. There was no complications from an anesthesia perspective. We have completed the PACU order set, and Amelia is expected to return home today. Any questions? Catch all that? It's a lot of information, right? Now, before we dive in to review each section, here are a few tips of handover. One, first and foremost, make sure the PACU nurse is ready to receive a handover. They're extremely busy down there, and they have a lot of things to be doing as well in terms of setting up monitors, etc. Plus, the patient that you're, that you're delivering to PACU is brand new, and so they have to be ready for the handover, and you should be prepared to wait if they aren't quite ready just yet. Number two, make sure to familiarize yourself with the patient's chart so you can quickly retrieve things like medication totals. Three, pay attention during the surgery and ask questions so you can clarify details. All right. And one more thing before we dive into our acronym, that it's also important to note that even after handover, um, the anesthesia team or a designated alternate is responsible for the patient in PACU up until the time of discharge and should be available to deal with any issues arising in the immediate postoperative period. Okay, so now let's get into the bread and butter of it. What goes into a handover? So remember I mentioned our acronym before, ISBAR. The first part of the acronym is I, which stands for Introduction and Identification. So here you want to introduce yourself and the patient. Remember I said, my name is Grace and I'm a medical student part of the anesthesia team. And later on, I also mentioned um, my anesthesia staff, the OB-GYN resident, and even the surgeon who performed the case. And this is who we are. Then you can continue to introduce the patient. As I said, here today, we have Amelia Steele, who is a 38-year-old female. S is for situation, which you can think of as a one-liner for why they're here and some information about the surgery. Some important things to include are if a procedure was elective or emergent, the purpose of the procedure and the type of anesthesia used. So recall in the case we said she underwent an elective laparoscopic tubal ligation performed by Dr. Uterus under general anesthesia. The OBGYN resident who's with you in this case will provide further details about the surgery as well as wound care and surgical complications. So our next letter is B, which is for background. And you can think of this as your patient history. I think most medical students will probably find this part a bit more straightforward since we do get a lot of practice in taking histories and even presenting patient histories as well. So in this case, we did make it quite simple. So Amelia had no significant past medical or surgical history and no known drug allergies. But if it was more complex, here we would list any major comorbidities and relevant medical history. We would also want to highlight information on history that is relevant for the PACU nurse, such as severe anxiety, a smoking history, perhaps a history of postoperative nausea and vomiting, and baseline cognitive status, just to name a few. We'd also want to review any medications that will need to be taken during their stay in PACU. A stands for anesthesia and actions. This is where the bread and butter of the information is. We want to mention the anesthetic technique used, and so if it was a GA, regional, spinal anesthesia, etc. And we also want to share information regarding the patient's airway features, how the airway was managed, and if there were any difficulties with it during the case. All PACUs are required to have airway carts, including difficult airway carts, in case a patient needs airway support in the postoperative period. 
So it's important that the PACU nurses are aware of difficult airways beforehand and can plan accordingly if an emergency situation arises. Sharing this information with the PACU team is also important so they can call you early and anticipate problems or if they see a patient is beginning to crash or have some issues. So recall in our case, we said that, quote, she was easy to intubate with an ETT and there were no airway concerns intraoperatively or postoperatively thus far, unquote. Next, we want to review which medications she was given, particularly the ones relevant to their stay in PACU. This could include a couple things. A brief overview of induction meds, for example. Recall we said 2 milligrams of midazolam and 150 milligrams of propofol. It could also include analgesics, so medications for pain relief like fentanyl or hydromorphone, as well as when the last dose was given. Any medications to prevent postoperative nausea and vomiting, things like ondansetron, for example. And here we also want to mention any antibiotics given, the time that they were given, and if repeat doses were required. Finally, one tip is that on the anesthesia chart, there should be a column where the medication totals are listed and can be quickly retrieved. So keep an eye out for that. And after we've reviewed the medications, we would want to review the the lines that the patient has. A good way to think of this is that anything that's coming in or out of the patient needs to be mentioned with the location of the line, the purpose, and the type of fluid that is expected to be coming in and out. So this could include things like IVs, drains, art lines, and urinary catheters. On a similar note, we want to mention the patient's ins and outs, which is estimated fluid losses and fluids replaced in the OR. You would want to mention which fluids were given to the patient, including any blood products. In our case, again, pretty simple. In the OR, she received one liter of normal saline and estimated blood loss was minimal, approximately 150 mils. There are many great ways to estimate fluid losses and subsequent replacement, but I think this is a, that is a bit beyond the scope of this episode, and we're definitely going to cover it in future episodes. Finally, it is important to note if there were any anesthesia complications, since this can influence post-op management. So in our case, again, nice and simple, no complications from an anesthesia perspective. The final letter is R, which stands for recommendations. You can think of this as what the plan is for the patient in the PACU period and afterwards. Most, if not all hospitals, have standardized order sets for PACU, and we'd recommend reviewing these with your staff at your local site. These order sets contain information such as the frequency of vitals required, post-op labs and investigations, any imaging, IV fluid replacement, pain and nausea management, blood pressure management, and when to call an MD. Finally, we want to include the anticipated PACU discharge plan. For example, is the patient going home, to the ward, etc. Recall in our case that we said, we've completed the PACU order set and Amelia is expected to return home today. Any questions? And speaking of that, it's kind of important to emphasize that last bit. Any questions? This allows some space for the PACU team to clarify any concerns or any questions they have about your patient. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode on PACU Handover. This episode is written by Grace Martin and edited by Dr. Jordan Albom. Just as a quick recap, we covered the ISBAR acronym for handover from the anesthesia team to the PACU team. Remember that handover isn't just a transfer of information, but also professional responsibility. If you liked the end of this series, join us for our next episode on with a surprise guest speaker interview.
And since this is the last episode of the General Anesthesia Series, we'd like to thank our whole team once again for their amazing support. So a special thank you to Dr. Nick Timmerman, Dr. Jordan Album, Dr. Sean Ja, Gwen Lobstead, and Dr. Daniel Cordovani for their ongoing support with this project. It would definitely have not been possible without each and every one of these people. Also, be sure to check out our website for the show notes, tweet us at our Twitter page at Airwave Podcast, and follow us on Instagram for any questions or suggestions. And thank you to our audience for getting us close to 700 downloads since the start of this podcast only a few months ago. So until next time, keep working hard, stay healthy, stay safe, take some nice deep breaths, and count back from 10.